This episode is brought to you by FastCase and its comprehensive suite of legal intelligence tools. FastCase offers the full suite from legal research to analytics, document tracking to secondary treatises, AI tools, legal news, and more. FastCase is the smarter way to run your law library. And now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to another edition of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. This is Bob Ambrogi, and I am the host for today's show, which is being recorded on location at the American Association of Law Libraries annual meeting and conference in Washington, D.C. We are right here on the exhibit floor, so if you hear a little background noise, that is why. And I am really happy uh, today to be having an opportunity to talk to uh, the founders of FastCase on the occasion of the 20th anniversary of 20th FastCase, anniversary. Of the founding of FastCase. I, now, now I feel old, but <laughs> I felt old already, but now I feel even older. Us too. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I have here Ed Walters, the CEO. Say hi, Ed. Hello. And Phil Rosenthal, the president of Hello. FastCase. And I've got a lot of stuff I want to ask you about FastCase, but I have to, to take a little bit of it aside and say that before either of you were lawyers, before either of you founded FastCase, you both did some really interesting things in your lives before that. So just real quick, Ed, tell us what you did before you were a lawyer. Uh, like a million times growing up in Louisiana, I almost blew myself up with uh, fireworks and car chases. Not bad, um, not bad. Uh, I, I moved to Washington to go to college and really, like, truly fluked my way into uh, a job working in the White House as a summer intern and then in the uh, Office of Presidential Speechwriting, where at 21, I mean, I was just bounding up the steps every day. It was like the coolest, luckiest, awesomest experience. So you were a speechwriter for George H.W. Bush. Yeah, right? I was one of two Democrats politically appointed <laughs> to the George Herbert Walker Bush administration. The other was, was Bobby Strauss, the founder of Aiken Gump, uh, who was the ambassador to Russia. Uh, I was not exactly the ambassador to Russia. I was like the lowest ranking, most, most junior person in the Bush administration. But luckily at 21, I still thought that I knew it all. I got in a ton of awesome arguments and fights. One of my favorite days um, working at the White House as a you know a political centrist Democrat uh, working in that administration was uh, hiding under my desk when the White House Chief of Staff, John Sununu, came storming down the halls of the old executive office building with a copy of a speech that I had edited his edit out of, yelling, who is Ed Walters and what is his agenda? <laughs> a lot of people are still asking that question. <laughs> yes. Ed, they, they tend to work at the other companies now. And, and Phil, you just real quick, why did you had a whole life before you became a lawyer? Yeah, I started out in physics actually, and uh, ended up doing uh, string theory and cosmology out at Caltech, uh, trying to figure out why the universe is four-dimensional, like like most pre-law activities, and uh, and then yeah. um, fell in love with space actually, and so. I I was also involved at uh, JPL in the uh, early stages of the mission that went to Pluto a couple years ago. So you were New Horizons, yeah. then uh, yeah. Fire and Ice, the Pluto Fast Flyby. Pluto Fast Flyby in the beginning. This was around 1991. Yeah. 
So you were quite literally a rocket scientist, and which, which makes me want to ask, is legal research rocket science? It's harder in a lot of ways. It's not as clean. Yeah, yeah. it's less so Euclidean. Physics, yeah, physics has nice, clear answers. Yeah. So, so the two of you were associates at Covington and Burling here in Washington, D.C. The day comes when you decide you're going to quit your day job and go off and start a legal research company. Had you just been like working sleepless nights on a big M&A deal and lost your minds? Or what, I mean, what <laughs> well, prompted we, we, you we to We probably think did lose our minds. But um, it, you know, it turned out Ed, Ed and I serendipitously just happened to share the same suite at Covington and Burling. I walk in late one night, this is early 99, and there's Ed fuming over the printer. And I thought, yeah, Ed, did the printer jam? Everything okay? It turns out the printer's fine, but he's doing research for a Fortune 5 client that it said back in early 99, don't use West or Lexus, find something else. And we realized there really wasn't much of anything else and started talking about it and just how incredibly expensive legal research was and how hard it was. And we had this, this crazy idea that lawyers should be able to afford access to the law and really everyone should have access to the law. And that was the genesis of, of thinking about the company. I mean, did it strike you at all as audacious? I mean, neither of you had a background in, I don't think, in starting a company or in, you know, especially a legal research company, right? Yeah, it, it's, I, I think we, we had a healthy appreciation for how hard it would be. But I think we also had this conviction that in a web-enabled world, which was brand new in 1999, you really couldn't maintain a duopoly in public domain, public law there would have to be some big alternative. And our conceit about it really was that if you took the editorial part out, the headnotes or the annotations, and really published nothing more than the public law with brilliant, awesome tools, the citation analysis tools, data visualization tools, that you could do it pennies on the dollars of the cost, but you know, really pick up like 90, 95% of the utility of legal research. And so I think we knew that we were onto a good idea. Just in the macro, there was going to be a big gate crasher. Somebody was going to break up that duopoly. And there's no reason why that couldn't be us. Yeah. I mean, there, there were some others who had come along, but I don't know that there were others that had sort of your idea about, I mean, you've talked a lot of, over the years, I've talked to you a lot over the years about sort of democratizing the law. Right. Uh, and that was a kind of a unique approach at that point, I think. Yeah, it, was, it certainly wasn't the, uh, the approach in 1999 uh, legal publishers, yeah. who I think viewed right. the law as the product, Yeah. right? I mean, the, the approach in 1999 was, if you want access to Supreme Court opinions, like that is the product. Yeah. And Phil and I always said, you know, democratizing the law was important. And a, a byproduct of that, or an important feature of that, was that the law itself wasn't the product. Right? The law is kind of a raw material that everyone should have access to. And what we were selling was you know, brilliant tools that empowered people to do better research, that allowed people to create smarter legal research. The tools, not the data. And even today, you see companies that are trying to paywall off public law and trying to maintain an exclusive stranglehold on access to the law where we've always said that the real product should be innovative tools that sit on top of the law, and the law should be available to everybody. Yeah. 
Yeah, that night and the next, we spent hours just starting to think of ideas on how could we make legal research smarter and why yeah. why why is it as hard as it is? Yeah. And just started making lists of all the things we wanted to do. Yeah, that's what I was going to. I mean, how did you like? literally go about getting this started? I mean, what did you, after you left your firm, what did you do? How did you get the raw material to work with? How did you, well, when did you we, start hiring people? When some of it we did before we left the firm. Uh, Phil, you have to tell yeah. the story about how uh, one night he comes running like frantically into my office. You got to tell the story. Yeah, yeah. so so uh, I, I, I went and I discovered that the uh, library at Covington and Burling was going to throw out a set of the reporters, which would, you know, eventually became a very common thing for libraries to do, of course. And so I so, run in. So for, for like maybe six months, Phil and I are cooking this idea while we're working. So we're spending nights and weekends trying to do a prototype of Fast Case, trying to create the business model and the idea, but we're still working full-time as lawyers, right? And so during this time, Phil comes running into my office. Yeah, and, and it's like, they're, they're throwing out the reporters. We, we have a chance to get all these thousands and thousands of reporters. And of course, you know, no one at the firm knows we're leaving. <laughs> and I say, so. Phil, that's preposterous. I mean, of course they're not throwing away like the national reporter system. And he said, no, they are, come quickly. Yeah, and so we run to the library to tell them, oh, uh, don't, don't g give us the weekend, don't throw them out, we'll, we'll take them. And they're like, uh, uh, what, uh, what, what are you, thousands of books? What are you going to do with them? Oh, we, we, just, we just like books, you know, we're, we're taking them. Uh, and, and they and so were we literally, they, were, they had uh, uh, an industrial dumpster. They're wheeling through <laughs> the library, like pulling with both hands off of shelves on both sides, like a single copy of the entire national reporter system. Yeah. Yeah, all the regional reporters, all the federal reporters, into a dumpster, you know, the size of a box truck. So, so you we, thought well, you were going to go home and put them in your garage and slice the pages and scan them, or, or what was? The, yeah, what was well, the, that, we, we knew we'd have to convert them to get the data. Yeah. One of the biggest challenges is how do you get the data? It's public domain. Yeah. But to get an, a good electronic copy is, is is so hard. So the step but one books we thought on this particular Friday, the hardest part was convincing the firm to let us have them. So <laughs> you got. I'm sorry, I keep interrupting your story, but go ahead. No, it's fine. And so finally the library is bewildered, but they're like, well, fine, if you can get them out by Monday, you know, they're yours. So we, we run and rent a U-Haul and a storage unit, <laughs> and we spend the weekend carting books, which any good associate should do for the... Uh, <laughs> Not just books, like 3,000 books, yeah. right? Like a giant it, collection of books. Were it, anybody looking askance at you as you oh, did this? or Not just anybody. There was this classic moment where I'm <laughs> wheeling one of those library book carts down the hallway towards the freight elevator and I run into the managing partner of the firm and it's the only time I ever saw him with a deer in the headlights <laughs> moment. He said he didn't say a word. He's like, wheeling books. But he probably did many Supreme Court arguments but but had nothing to say <laughs> to that. I should say the two librarians at the time um, at Covington and Burling uh, were quite famous then and more famous now, Roberta Schaefer oh, sure. uh, and David Mao, each of whom did a turn as the law librarian of Congress. Uh, they said, you know, Ed, Phil, you can have the books, but what are you going to do with 4,000 books? Do you have any idea what this entails? Uh, and why on earth do you want them? Yeah. And we weren't ready to announce yet. So we said, uh, we're bibliophiles? Yeah. And they, of course, didn't believe us at all. They said, just take yeah. them. Get them out of here by Monday. Yeah. But when, when it came time to tell the firm. They make great bonfires for the yeah. holidays. We told our <laughs> law librarians first. 
Uh, so it was Roberta and David yeah. were the first people we told that we were leaving and what we were doing. Roberta was our first advisor. Yeah, yeah. And first person we yeah. told, and, and of yeah. course she gave amazing advice. So. Yeah. So when did you become a company? When did you hire people? What, how did that all start? Well, it started with the name. Um, and, you know, Fastcase was not the original name for the company. So Phil and I had built a prototype while we were at our law firm. And we had like one of our first meetings with an outside investor. And so we needed to move this prototype off of a laptop and onto the web. And part of that is having a domain name. And I think we realized the name would be important. Whatever domain name we picked would be the name of the company and would likely be our forever name. And so we spent hours. I mean, even in 1999, a lot of the good uh, domain names were taken. Spoilers so we're looking everywhere. Yeah, yeah we're looking yeah. at e-law, e-law library, you know, it's we're, right. hours we're trying to find something. And finally, we come across like a really good name. I think we both really liked it. Phil and I are different people, we have very different tastes. So finding a name that we both liked was not trivial. And so we thought this was a big decision and said, look, let's just sleep on it, all right? Yeah. Let's not make a rash uh, impulse buy. We'll sleep on it, we'll buy the domain in the morning before our presentation that afternoon. So uh, it was a pretty short night. I think I slept like three hours. I got back into the office the next morning and I saw Phil and I said, um, hey, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this. It's time to buy the domain name but I'm so tired, I kind of forgot what it was. So what was it, and I'll buy it. And Phil said, well, you remembered what it was. I can't, I can't remember what the good name was. And we racked our brains and we couldn't remember what the name, we'd gone through so many domain names the night before. And so we said, well, look, let's just park it somewhere. Let's get like a placeholder domain name. We'll park it on the placeholder domain name. We'll show it to these outside investors. Uh, and then when we remember what the good name is, we'll move it back to that one. So we're searching really quickly to try to find a name, you know, fast law, no, e-law, no, uh, fast law library, no, fast case, yes. Oh, fast case. All right, we'll, we'll just park it on fast case, and when we remember what the good name is, we'll move it back to that one. So still our interim name. So did you ever remember what the... <laughs> no, we have no day, idea. We can't remember what it's the good name is. It's still out there waiting to be taken. <laughs> Maybe on our 40th anniversary, we'll switch it to the other. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, here's my epilogue to this story. Yeah. So, uh, that afternoon, you know, we moved everything to the Fastcase domain. That afternoon, I thought it'd be interesting to look at uh, the archive.org Wayback Machine to see if Fastcase had ever been everything and anything before. It turns out that a German open source publishing company had had the domain name Fastcase.com and it had expired the night before. Wow. And so what they went to bed with Fastcase on their website woke up the next morning with our stuff on their website. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so we thought for a while, you know, we were going to get sued by a German open source software company, but they moved to somewhere else. Wow. I mean, you still, you still had to be a little bit nervous about this whole undertaking starting out. When was the point that you started to feel like, yeah, maybe we've got something here, with, that we've got some traction? Well, well we, we always, have different points. Yeah, we always believed in it, but I think that the, the traction really came when we found the bar market, which were these partners that shared our mission, yeah. and we started to win state bars and local bars as partners. And then we said, okay, now this is, this is really working. We believed in it long before that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but that's really a, been important to your it, growth, yeah. right? That yeah. bar market. How, how did you start, how did that happen? How did you start to discover that market, or did they discover you? 
Uh, probably a little of each, but I think, you know, just when we were a regular retail company, which we still do, we would go to the state bar annual meetings to just market and, yeah. and then realize, you know, we could do more than just sell individual subscriptions here and there. Why not really have an impact by making sure that every lawyer in the state has legal research? And so, so we started talking to the bars about that and, yeah. and it made, it's just they've been wonderful partners. Yeah. It's kind of a natural, right? I mean, if the idea is to democratize the law, making sure that every lawyer in a state has access to it as a part of their license really helps to advance the cause of justice. It means that people don't win or lose cases because they don't have access to the full law library. And so it was really, it was a great fit with our mission. You know, bar associations have a wonderful answer to the question, what do I get when I pay you these $250 in dues? The answer is, you get a legal research service that would cost you $1,145 yeah. a year. That's a great answer. And you get it for free. Yeah. We get, I mean, the bar associations pay us, and they pay us well enough to do this at a very high level and continue to innovate, uh, which is great. And then we, of course, get to really fulfill our mission to democratize the law. Yeah. 900,000 lawyers have fast case for free through their state bar association. Yeah. We're here at the American Association of Law Libraries. What, what has been the... Uh, role of law librarians in in your company over the last 20 years. I mean, how how did they? Was it a tough sell I, to get them to think about you to start to have a relationship with you? I, I, I have to, know? yeah, I have to talk about it. really the law librarians have been the key to our success. That because uh, we knew they were the experts at legal research, yeah. and so right from the beginning, right starting with Roberta Schaefer, uh, they were always the ones who told us how to do it right. And in fact, um, gosh, the first time. Uh, we went to a double AALL was Minnesota, I think, in 2001. And I ran around there with little business cards that said, register for our beta testing program. And we didn't even have anything to beta test yet. <laughs> and so we were just trying to get as many uh, law librarians involved so they could they could tell us how they always dreamed it would be. And so uh, they've been such a key to our success. And that's why this is we always consider this our, our home. Yeah. Uh, so did they get it or, or was their pushback. Uh, oh, they got it instantly. They they were waiting for this. They were dreaming that someone would come along, and and uh, give them more control, and you know create the features they always wanted. And and basically, uh, so they they saw, saw this uh, as an opportunity to to work with someone, to partner with someone, to really get legal research to be the way they wanted it. Yeah, I'll give you one good example of um, why law librarians are such a good like kind of. Uh, fit with us and such a natural ally. So for the last like maybe, I don't know, six or seven years, uh, the kind of incumbent legal research publishers have been on a mission to make their services more Google-like. And I think uh, we at Fastcase have been saying like there's a really good uh, legal research that's already Google-like, it's called Google Scholar. We don't need to be more Google-like, we should be less Google-like. We should empower better research. We should make people smarter in the way they're able to do their research. That doesn't mean yeah. more complicated. It can be really easy to use, but the tools should be more powerful, more precise. <coughs> and this is the mission of law librarians for years. They've always been trying to empower their colleagues, other people in the library, the lawyers at the firm, to do better research, to do smarter research, not to dumb down the process. Right. And yeah. that's a, I mean, it's just a, a very shared mission that we have. I think they've always gotten it. Yeah. And we really want to empower the law librarians more who should be leading the way in anything having to do with 
data or knowledge, and 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 they really are. And so we, yeah. we're, especially as we move into data-driven law and beyond just our core flagship or fast case, things like Docket Alarm, uh, we are trying to give the librarians control to build the tools, to build their own analytics, yeah. uh, to build tools that that go beyond legal research, because we we really know the that the law librarians here are get the experts in all of these areas, and if you you just help them. Do, do more of this, they, they can take the lead and, and really do amazing things. Yeah. So over the 20 years, was there anything that the two of you disagreed on vehemently in terms of <laughs> how the, the direction or course of the company? Anything we didn't? <laughs> <laughs> Bill and I always say that if we ever agree on something, it's almost a guarantee that we're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody's got to be right in that disagreement though, right? How do you figure oh, I'll that out? You, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll give you one that on our wonderful apps, Ed saw right away the first that, the first version of the that, mobile app. Yeah, yeah. Still on the first. You're, still, I, you're not I, on the first I, version. I, I, right. Let's let's market it fully. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, the very first legal research app for iOS. The very first legal research app for iPad. The very first legal research app for Android. Yeah. Partner right. branding. Yeah. Right. And and Ed stayed true to our mission of make it free, make it a, 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 a something to democratize the law. Yeah. I had this uh, brief flirtation with uh, should we charge if we if, uh, yeah. But uh, Ed was completely right on that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a huge. Which one were you, Which one were you right on that Ed gave in? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I hope this one. I don't. Phil is right all the time. Let me uh, let me say one thing about this. So, yeah. you know. Uh, I consider myself so lucky uh, after 20 years of working with Phil, right? We've disagreed like a million times. I mean, a million people I could have started this company with, 999,999 of them would have argued for the wrong thing, would have had their compass not point true north, would have uh, quit out of frustration, uh, would have given up because it's such a hard thing to do. And Phil, for all of our disagreements all over the years, I just never doubt that his compass points true north. Yeah. Uh, as a as a co-founder and as a friend, yeah. like we have gone through so much together, and I just feel so lucky to have started this company with him. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same here. I, there's no one else I could have or would have done this company with, and 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 to think. You know what we've gone through together, and here we are. You know, two decades later, that that doesn't happen, right? right. I, I mean, yeah. we, there's supposed to be uh, movies made about things like this, where there's battles and you're fighting each other and all this horrible stuff. Right. And we're doing great and getting closer, and and uh, just have this amazing partnership. That uh, is great. That uh, is so rare in the startup world, yeah. and so we're very we're both blessed. Yeah. I would flag one more thing too. Um, one thing that really allows us to have the liberty to be wrong is we work with an awesome, spectacular team. Yeah. Um, oh, I think yeah. it's always been like a really good crew of people working around us, uh, but there's really something extraordinary going on at FastCase right now. At about yeah. our 20th anniversary, yeah. there is an amazing crew of professionals around us. Not just amazing, uh, but a bigger and bigger crew. Uh, I mean, we were just talking before we started recording yeah. on, you know, it, it wasn't all that long ago that it was pretty much you and Phil running, run, well, you're still running the show, but I mean, not just running the show, but cleaning the dishes and, and whatever else. <laughs> right. uh, we still do a fair amount of dishes. <laughs> still can happen. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, I will say there's 120 people who work at FastCase now. Yeah. Um, and it is the, like, smartest, kindest, um, just best group of people you could possibly work with. And I don't mean this is a platitude. I mean, 
you know, we really have recruited uh, and cultivated a culture of excellence. Yeah. Really uh, great people around Phil and me. And I would say of all the things we're proud of, I think yeah. this team is something that we're very, very proud of right now. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that because we, we, you know, we're known in the outside world, I'm sure for our software, our data, the, the team outshines it all. I, yeah. I, I mean, and this is the dream team that we have now that we yeah. that we've waited for and and there's uh, there's so much happening now this is really i always wanted to start a company this is the moment where it's just so exciting yeah. and and top to bottom we we love everybody we got and they're wonderful and it's the, the culture is just we're, we're we're really fortunate that's great. I want to, and I keep looking over at our producer to see how much time we have here, because I know we're already going longer, and I want to talk more about where you are now, but I, one, one thing I want to ask is just looking back over the 20 years from 1999 to today, what was the kind of top one or two milestones in your mind? I mean, what, what were the things that you that really stand out as for the development of the company? Um, you know, in a way, there's so many. I mean, certainly, yeah. I think both in the bar market and here and the, working with the law schools and the large firms and all the folks at AAAL, seeing the folks love what we're, we're doing. I think these were big moments. I think as we, we now three quarters of all lawyers have us in, in through the bar association partnerships and that, that has meant so much to us and been such a big moment as we've seen that build. I don't know if it's a moment. Uh, do, you, yeah. uh, do you have a... Uh, um... I mean, over 20 years, there are lots of moments. Yeah. Uh, you know, Phil mentioned the launch of our uh, iPhone and iPad app. That was really great for us. I mean, it was a place where we really got to be pioneers. I think back... And that uh, was recognized. I mean, the, the remember the uh, what was it, the ABA uh, tech survey several years in a row. That was lawyers' yeah. favorite app. Even today, uh, the twenty nineteen yeah, survey, right? That was, yeah. that was the most popular so gratifying. Uh, smartphone app for lawyers, not just for legal research. Yeah. Fast case. Um, Oh, you know, winning the AAAL uh, New Product of the Year Award twice, once with Hein, uh, and uh, that has meant so yeah. much. To get the recognition from the experts here uh, yeah. was certainly one of the most special moments. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think um, there's, a, there's a lot of them. Uh, I would point out just a few of them. Our patent application in 1999 charted a course for every legal research company in the world. Uh, it contained innovations like sorting search results. Had never been done before. In 1999, uh, you got results back on the two principal services. Highest court first, most recent case to the oldest case. Uh, things like using citation analysis to rank search results. Using data visualization. These were all things that we sort of knew at the beginning. And you know, over 20 years now, We've always said we were going to drag, kicking and screaming, the rest of the market to do research the way we were, whether it's data visualization or mobile apps or sorting search results in novel ways. Like, we really are doing that. And it's not, you know, it's something we do every day. With, with the analytics products we're doing right now, uh, with Docket Alarm and with the Fastcase Legal Research Platform, I mean, this is the way people are going to be doing research on every platform for the next 10 years. I have yeah. to so one of the big moments was when uh, Michael Sander and Docket Alarm agreed to join us, and that, that was such a triumphant moment because we knew that would be the key to so much of what we want to do in the future. And, and another companion moment is that, was at Legal Week when, when Docket Alarm won the uh, in, in Most Innovative Product uh, Judges Award. That was, uh, it was a special mo re very special recent moment. Yeah. 
I mean, as a company over the last 20 years, you've, you know, uh, clearly the industry's changed a lot, but you've, you've moved in different directions as well, and not just getting in, not just the acquisition of Docket Alarm and, and all of that, but uh, getting into publishing, uh, now getting into yeah. the news business uh, yes. to, to some extent. In uh, uh, full disclosure, I guess I'm, I'm on your advisory board for this new news thing that you're starting up. But yes, for we talk Street about Media. where you know why it is you've moved in these different directions and, and, and where you're heading with these. Well, let me just say a word about this. There's there's an interesting market opportunity right now. Um, the parent companies of large legal research uh, companies. I think are demanding too much of them. This is just my opinion, but I, this is how I see the market. I think Thomson Reuters uh, and Reed Elsevier are trying to extract too much money out of Westlaw and LexisNexis. They can't really grow the top line, and so they have to cut costs. And when they cut costs to sort of meet the demands of the parent companies, I think they're throwing out the baby with the bathwater. I think they're having to overcorrect. And so they're divesting from divisions like publishing, for example. Uh, or legal news in the in West's case. And that creates a really interesting market opportunity for a company like us. We can come in and say that's an overcorrection, that's an overreaction. Print is obviously not dead. Editorial is obviously not dead. There's a role for high quality legal news. There is a role for high quality editorial treatises. And I think that's a void that we can very effectively fill. Not always, but at this scale, now that we're 900,000 lawyers plus, now that lawyers run a million searches a week on Fastcase, it affords us a kind of scale where we can do print publishing, where we can do analytics. Like I, I think most lawyers in America, a plurality of lawyers in America will use analytics for the first time on Fastcase. And so I think that as the, as the market overcorrects, as traditional publishers have to scale back from their ambitions, it will create interesting market opportunities for us to grow and to scale. Yeah. Yeah, does that resonate and, with you? Yeah, it, yeah. A, a, absolutely. And you know, we realize that the whole universe is not just primary law, legal research. Right. And so, one of the really exciting things over the last couple of years is is rounding it out, like Ed said, with with so many other resources, whether it be the Hein Law Reviews and a wonderful partnership there, or Public Records uh, with, with TransUnion, the news effort we're doing, um, just to have expert witness, just to have all the different pieces, so that this can be more full service and then bring analytics to to all of that uh, of course docket with docket alarm and so one of the initiatives has been to go beyond just regular primary law and the other initiative is to really focus on data driven law because we think that's the future and yeah. it's it's docket analytics it's a, it's analytics on fast case it's all the ways you can tie it together and so we're really excited about what that that can look like yeah one I, thing i've heard from uh, law libraries and law firms and friends who do this is they always worry, every time there's a new category, and I think the big category right now is analytics, right. uh, they worry that it's going to be another opportunity for commercial publishers to gouge them. Yeah. Um, and now we're sort of at a scale where we can say, we're going to do it at a very high level, in some cases a higher level than traditional publishers, and democratize it. Yeah. You know, so yep. it's, it'll be a great solution for giant law firms, because it's very powerful, but law schools can use it, solo practitioners can use it, small yeah. law firms can use it, everybody can use it. And that's, yeah. that's really what we're trying to do. Yeah. And Look, looking and at your core product, is there anything that really frustrates you about it? That, that, is there something, do you see a shortcoming in it? Is there something that drives you crazy about it still? That, what's, 
What's wrong with it that hasn't been fixed yet? Uh, that's an easy answer. And a big itch we're trying to scratch right now is we want to improve our Citator. And we're in the middle of a, a large effort to really bolster, our, our Citator is called Bad Lawbot, um, and it's an algorithmic Citator. Uh, what frustrates me is that it's always compared to, uh, you know, kind of the traditional citators as if they are the gold standard. There's very good documentation that the traditional citators have mistagged yeah. citations about 30% of the time. Yeah. So we're working right now um, on a couple of ambitious projects to make our citator like uh, demonstrably better than even the traditional editorial citators. And I think that's a big area of focus for us. Watch in the next maybe year or so, uh, we'll be rolling out uh, updates to Bad Lawbot and to our Citator to make it the best in the world. And I don't say that uh, like you know in, in a bravado way. I, I think it is very possible to make an algorithmic Citator using machine learning around citations that will be more accurate and more up to date than any editorial Citator there is. Yeah. So you know, I have to ask the question: Twenty years in, where are you going to be in? 20 years from now. Where, where is Fastcase going to be and where's the whole legal, I mean, where do you see the legal research industry, if, if you want to call it that, going? You first, Tom. <laughs> oh my gosh, 20. The rocket scientist always gets the hard questions. <laughs> uh, yeah, really, really. The answer well, it for a year from now, for that matter, right? It's, it's going, well, the beautiful thing is it's, it's focusing more and more on the technology side. And, and actually, what we think about here at AAAL, how it's more and where people can build custom customized tools. It's going to be less out-of-the-box software. I mean, there's a lot of beautiful software out, out there, but especially in the large firm market, we're seeing people needing to customize things. And I think we're going to see that where with, with AI, with new technologies, things will look so different in 20 years. And, that, and that's where this, this group at AAAL will have a lot of fun uh, being able to lead the way and, and build all those tools. Um, where, where, boy, in 20 years, I will be somewhere in my 70s. Um, maybe I'll, I should be on a beach. I don't know where. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, where do you see the company? Where do you envision this company? What's what's the growth trajectory for this company? Yeah. I think we're going to break through. I mean, I really do think that uh, you might still have like uh, two or three major publishers uh, 20 years from now, but Fastcase absolutely is going to be one of them. Yeah. And what I would love to see- Maybe under a different name, but still- <laughs> Right, we, maybe we'll remember what their good <laughs> name is. But um, I, I do really think that if you if you look at the history of this kind of information, whether it's the GIS mapping information or law or anything else, what you end up with is a uh, gigantic free tier uh, with services on top of it, and then a bunch of retail services. And I think over time, you know, we have really proven our ability to build beautiful, elegant, awesome products. So we'll be a very popular one of those, um, and we are going to be a big part of making the underlying law available to a whole new generation of innovators. That's really important to us. If you, if you look at innovators right now, it is kind of, as we've said, a golden age of legal research innovation fueled in part by the availability of public law. And we are going to continue to push that. You know, it, we'll create new competitors to Fastcase by making the law more public and everyone's going to be better off. Yeah. I, I mean, it's interesting yeah. 20 years in that it, it, you, you deserve a lot of credit for all you've done to push the democratization of law, and yet for 20 years, 
we're still got a long ways to go in it. Right. We're still in litigation oh, over it. Yeah, I can't, you're still if you in litigation told me in over it. 1999 that we would be in a lawsuit. And yeah, we've got the Supreme Court about to hear. Yes, uh, uh, but in addition, so there's the Georgia versus Public yeah, Resource.org yeah, case, yeah. which is in the U.S. Supreme Court. But you know, uh, we're we're litigating all the time to try to, you know, make sure that everyone knows that private publishers can own public law. And I really do think the tide is is turning our way. Yep. Give you each last word as we, we need to wrap up here, but uh, Phil, Ed? You know, I, I just want to say thank you, really, to all the folks who have supported us over the, the 20 years. Uh, our amazing team over the 20 years, uh, the folks here at AAAL, all the other people that we've worked with, our wonderful supporters. Uh, we would never have gotten here without a lot of uh, fantastic people working with us, and, and we just can't say thank you enough. Yeah. Ed? I think 20 years is going to be a very interesting milestone. Maybe this <laughs> podcast will be the thing that memorializes it. This really is that breakout moment for Fastcase. You know, for 20 yeah. years, we've pushed very, very hard, but we've never gotten traction the way that we are right now. Our fastest growing segment is like Amlaw 250 law firms. The adoption rate among small firms and solo practitioners has never been higher. Uh, people are using Fastcase like crazy. Uh, which is amazing. And I, this is really a very special moment. I, I've loved all of our history, but there is something really magical going on at our 20th anniversary right now. Well, on that note, uh, I think that's a good point to stop. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us. Uh, looks like we've reached the end of the road for our On the Road episode here at the Legal Talk Network. This is Bob Ambrogi. Big thanks to Ed Walters and Phil Rosenthal for joining us today on the occasion of the 20th anniversary of Fast Case. For our listeners, uh, if our listeners have questions or wish to follow up with you, how can they reach you? Phil at fastcase.com is my email address and would love to talk to all of you. And you can always find my nerdery around baseball, whiskey, space exploration, robots and legal research on Twitter at EJ Walters. Thanks a lot to all the listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. This is Bob Ambrogi. Until next time, thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find us on Twitter and Facebook, or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.